0: A huge week in the emerging cricket world with the Cricket World Cup qualifier upon us in Zimbabwe. We'll preview that as well as talk about all the action in the ICC Development Awards with Africa claiming a clean sweep of every single award and for patrons we have some bonus content with some African cricket going on as well speaking of patrons we have a new one our very own Vincent Jones an EC contributor has pledged his money to the EC cause and we thank him for that of course you can jump on the Patreon bandwagon for not only an expanded extended version of this show but some other content at www.patreon.com forward slash emerging cricket plenty to discuss let's jump right in Hello in again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast live and on Sport FM in Perth. Daniel Beswick alongside Nick Skinner to deliver all the news and look ahead to the week ahead in the emerging cricket world. Tim Cutler is on Vanuatu duty with the under-19s team as they look to potentially qualify for the under-19s Cricket World Cup via the East Asia-Pacific qualifier. But Nick, uh, in Iceland, it's late at night, but the sun is shining Explain to uh, the listeners around the world how uh, how science works when you're so far up north or, or south uh, across the globe.
1: Uh, well, this is reaching back to some uh, <laughs> some 9 geography. But, uh, yeah, basically the further north or south you go, the longer the days in summer and the shorter the days in winter. And up here it's summer and... I'm staring out the window, still basically bright daylight, uh, 11 o'clock at night, which is, um, yeah, takes some getting used to. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, ugh, some of, you know, life's coming alive in, in Reykjavik. Uh, people hanging out in the sun, it's uh, had a heat wave, it's been about sort of 18, 20 degrees. Uh, that's that's uh, considered a heat wave here. Um, but yes, uh, lots, of, lots of things to do. We've got the National uh, Independence Day celebrations coming up in a couple of days. So that'll be fun, uh, an interesting cultural experience, no doubt. But uh, yeah, thing, things going well up here. How's it going in uh, chilly Sydney? Probably about the same temperature as here.
0: Uh, yeah, we're, we're probably getting to those temperatures, but it feels really cold. Uh, just uh, want to quickly ask, this might be a stupid question, Nick, but when people talk about planning for... The evening there, in inverted commas. Do do you still say night? (laughs) I'll see you tonight and it's still broad daylight? How does that work? Well, yeah,
1: uh, like afternoon. Yeah, I mean, there's some kind of conjecture as to when, you know, the greeting changes from good day to good evening. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just just talk about the evening, (laughs) uh, the afternoon, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've never, yeah, to be honest, I've never lived somewhere where this is so prevalent. I suppose in the UK, it can get pretty bright in the in the summer too. Probably not quite Reykjavik bright heading into uh, the night. How's your circadian rhythm? Yeah,
1: that's the tricky part. Uh, one of my work colleagues was, uh, was late to work today, actually, because she just couldn't get to sleep with the sunlight at some... Um... I I'd actually, I don't have any trouble with it. But uh, yeah, some people definitely find it tough. But, uh, you know, you find a way, blackout curtains or eye masks or whatnot. One of the one of the challenges of living up here.
0: We'll be struggling to get to sleep here in the Southern Hemisphere because all the good cricket is going to be on yeah, at exactly. all <laughs> hours of the night. Looking uh, to Africa, and it was a clean sweep from uh, African members in the ICC Development Awards of 2022. They were announced almost sort of, with little notice, uh, I had no knowledge of these going out publicly this week, but we did see Africa, yeah, as mentioned, clean sweep the entirety of the awards. And Namibia actually ended up winning three of the awards as well. We'll just go through each one quickly. Development Initiative of the Year went to Cricket Namibia for their Ashburton Quarter Mini Cricket Program. Uh, I believe they won the same award last year as well for the same program. Nigeria won the 100% Cricket Female Cricket Initiative of the Year uh, due to their achievements in implementing cricket programs in the Zamfara State. They also claimed uh, a victory at last year's awards as well. Namibia won the Men's Performance of the Year with their win over Sri Lanka at the last T20 World Cup. I think we're all pretty... Happy with that decision. I think that was a, a pretty unanimous decision after that particular performance. It was just a bit of a shame that they didn't go on and, and make uh, the Super 12s of that particular tournament. But that was a, a highlight for, for us, at least. Uh, Rwanda, Rwanda's under-19s won Associate Women's Performance of the Year with their win over regional giants Zimbabwe. And it was quite a, a crushing defeat that included the hat-trick as well to Henrietta Shimwe. Uh, digital Fan Engagement of the Year, we need to give a shout-out to Dennis Musali with Uganda uh, winning that one. And then the winner of the Cricket for Good Social Impact Initiative of the Year also went to Namibia with their raising funds of the Cancer Association of Namibia. So uh, I think the the big talking point to come out of this bit of news is that once again, we're, we're seeing the emergence of Africa being such a, a key region in the growth of the international game, not only at the high performance level as we discussed most weeks but you know some of these development strategies in in places that have been so desperate and and, and calling out for you know game development and and the growth of cricket and the use of, of cricket in in dealing with social issues as well it, it means that yeah we have seen an oasis of sorts in in cricket in Africa with all of these programs happening and co-op- cooperation of of every single member in Africa getting together and and being able to do what they do, but then also going back and, and, and taking their, their lessons and learnings from the other members and, and, and putting into place some outstanding development programs, and we're starting to see the fruits of, of that labor.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we as you say, we, we talk basically every week there's some interesting cricket happening in Africa, and it just seems like... This should be a high priority for the ICC in terms of, yes, funding, but also, you know, more kind of pathway events and, and you know, more stuff that the ICC could be running maybe at youth level uh, to, to try and capitalize on a lot of the success here. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of telling that so many of the development awards are coming through Africa and that there is so much. It it is an exciting time to be uh, in in cricket development uh, in in the African continent. Uh, So I think, I don't know, I mean, I I don't want to be too negative on the USA, but the amount of uh, time and effort that the ICC has put into the USA and, and it has yielded not a whole lot, if we're being honest, compared to all the exciting development work going on in Africa, it just seems... The, the priorities are a little bit out of whack, uh, and and hopefully you know, this is a bit of a, a wake-up call and they can recalibrate. Um, although, yeah, a bit strange that they sort of released this news on a Friday morning uh, press release in the middle of something else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, going through the awards, I mean, yeah, the Namibian quasar program... It's been going on for over a decade. It seems like it's been pretty successful at at least sort of building the, the profile of, of cricket in Namibia. Uh, they reckon they're getting around 10,000 kids uh, on a weekly basis through the, the, the classes in schools. It's kind of like a, basically like a, a simplified sort of mini cricket with, uh, you know, basic uh, equipment that anyone can play anywhere, which is, is a good you know, we know the challenges that cricket has in, in terms of equipment and you know, facilities and whatnot. So the fact that they're thinking about that is encouraging. Um And yeah, I mean, Namibia, it's interesting. It's kind of like a, I don't know, maybe a, a New Zealand uh, to South Africa's Australia, if, if you want to put it that way, with uh, <laughs> a lot of the issues present in South African cricket, kind of present in, uh, in Namibian cricket in terms of, you know, still a lot of their... Playing base uh, comes from a, a pretty small pool of, well, private school uh, cricketers. Which, you know, when <laughs> that makes up such a small percentage of the population, you, you need to be uh, getting out there and, and trying to trying to draw from everyone and and getting everyone playing the sport. And and I know that the leadership in cricket namibia recognizes that and and that's why they're they're pushing these programs and and it is good to see um i guess maybe on the women's side you you see more of the results in terms of you know a more diverse women's team uh, compared to to the men's team which which is still you know majority white and that's something you know we, we can't uh I guess gloss over but I, I it is definitely something they're working on but yeah it, it's it's it seems like they they're trying to trying to push the game out beyond uh it's kind of traditional boundaries which is uh which is very encouraging and and you know hopefully in the sort of the next few years uh we we'll, we'll see more of these uh you know the the, the people who have come through this um and Nigeria I think is the other one that's really impressive is uh, you know especially uh, you know, pushing cricket uh, up north, uh, the northwest region, where you know they ha- they do have uh, a lot of troubles uh, in terms of sort of civil unrest and and whatnot. Um, you know, getting just getting schoolgirls playing cricket is is such a you know it's such a basic thing on one level, but it's it's you know, transformative in another ways. You know, getting these. Uh, these young women involved in sport and, and physical activity in, in Zamfara State. So congratulations to Cricket Nigeria for that one and the, the 100% Cricket female cricket initiative. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the men's performance of the year, Namibia against Sri Lanka, can't really argue with that. Um, that was just uh, such an exciting game. But uh, yeah, as you say, unfortunate they couldn't make it through to the Super 12s. Um, and yeah, I mean the the fact that Rwanda got the Associate Women's Performance of the Year, uh, beating the West Indies uh, and and Zimbabwe in the Under 19s T20 World Cup. <laughs> I mean we 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 talk about the the incre you know the rising standard in African Associate Cricket all the time, and yeah, Rwanda is kind of proof of that. Uh, their women's program has has been incredibly successful, and it's sort of an interesting I guess you could say tie-in with um the the, the sort of Rwandan. The Rwandan government has been uh, making a lot of efforts at, you know, pushing equality and and, and bringing women into, you know, politics and business and, and whatnot. And, and that's uh, kind of um, attracted a lot of attention from international, uh, you know, uh, development organizations, you know, not just cricket development, uh, social development. Um, and it's it's good to see cricket is fitting into that overall strategy and their women's team is is doing very well. So, Yeah. Hats off to Cricket Rwanda, and and hopefully they uh, continue finding, uh, you know, finding more talent, and and they can. It's onwards and upwards for them.
0: Yeah, a huge congratulations to to the members of Africa for the clean sweep, as it were, of the development awards this year. And yeah, once again, the greatest reflection I think on 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 the work that's being done there. Let's move in, I suppose, to the second half of the show today as we look ahead to the Cricket World Cup qualifier. Uh, a huge tournament, as we know, for for so many reasons. It's it's almost our flagship tournament, as it were, on the on the men's side, given the the significance, the uh, associate teams turning out, and, and the significance of of what it means. With the final two places for the Cricket World Cup being decided uh, for India a little bit later on in the year, we'll probably have Cricket World Cup fixtures out after we do publish this show as recording i have a feeling that the the fixtures will go out but looking to the qualifier itself we've had both days of warm-up matches official warm-up matches done there's been a little bit to take out of it it's been a little bit tricky with sport radar not live scoring these and only selective sort of streams and and other bits and pieces of, of video content out there to look at so it has been hard to gauge but a couple of things we have seen there's been some high scoring games at a couple of the grounds here which you would think would be would translate i think to the tournament proper talking to a few people in zimbabwe it seems uh, like the toss is going to be important, especially with morning fixtures, if you can get out there and make the most of a couple of juicy tracks in the in the morning with the ball and then chase in the afternoon. Looking at sort of all the games in their entirety of, of these warm-ups, it's, it's hard to properly gauge, but I think there's been a couple of warning signs for the likes of Scotland and maybe the USA uh, with a couple of sort of heavy defeats there. Scotland, I think, losing both their matches in the build-up Um, and a couple of question marks there particularly on the batting side Uh, they did play two strong opponents in this competition though so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt UAE good enough to beat Nepal in one of the earlier warm-ups as well Zimbabwe look like they're going to be a tough proposition at home and overall I think Sri Lanka have sort of proven that they are roaring favorites so I think you know when it probably all comes down to it I think our pre-tournament ideas of where teams are at haven't changed too much although yeah I'm looking like I'm looking at a team like a Scotland who just seems to be missing not only the county guys that that are, haven't been able to, to travel here but also the likes of Callum McLeod and Kyle Kutzer who have retired in the last 12 to 18 months and they just haven't been able to fill the gap in in terms of runs and and that's going to be so important come the the tournament proper, Nick. I think the first sort of port of call here is that there are some uh, alarm bells uh, of Scotland ahead of the campaign.
1: Yeah, and it will be interesting to see how Scotland rebuild. I guess this is kind of the the end of the cycle. Uh, you know, their success in Cricket World Cup League Two, topping the table there, and and coming through very comfortably into the tournament here. As you say, I mean, yeah, Callum McLeod, Kutz are two very important players for them over the last few years. Well, I mean, <laughs> over, over the last 15, almost 20 years for, for in Karl Kutzer's case. You know, replacing two batters of that quality is going to be tough. You know, you think back to 2018, and, and Callum McLeod was so important there. Uh, hit 157, I think, uh, against Afghanistan in, in their first match and swept Rashid Khan into oblivion. And, and, you know, who do they have? I mean, Brandon McMullen is a, a quality batter, uh, but, you know, looking down the list, it is just a little threadbare. And you you just think, could Kyle and and, uh, and Callum McLeod have just just held on until the, you know, potential World Cup, but uh, alas, not to be. So it's, it's kind of thrown there preparation or, you know, their team stability into a bit of disarray with, with, uh, you know, two very big names missing. And of course, uh, a number of county players, uh, you know, Jones and co uh, not being there either Uh, makes you sort of wonder what's going on. I mean, yeah, we we hear about the, um, you know, the report into the the accusations of racism and and various things. Uh, Seems like there's a bit of instability uh, at the administrative level. Which probably is translating to a not particularly positive dressing room atmosphere, we could maybe say. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of unfortunate that Scotland were so good for so long over over the, the course of the, uh, you know, World Cup League 2 tournament. And, and now we're getting to the pointy end with the, the qualifying and World Cup participation on the line. And it, it's just kind of the wheels maybe are falling off. And, and that is that is sad. Uh, but, yeah, know, hopefully that they can turn around. Yeah. Um, Yeah, as you say, two strong opponents, West Indies um, and and Zimbabwe, who they're two of the teams that you think are definitely in with a very good chance of making it through out of the qualifier. Zimbabwe, I mean, just looking at Zimbabwe, they had that series against the Pakistan uh, development team, the Shaheens, where they (laughs) scored tons and tons of runs. um, And... That's kind of translating here, you know. They, they scored 360-odd against Oman, and Oman, I think, got to 340, maybe. Um, Nepal, UAE had a high-scoring encounter. U- USA and Ireland had another high-scoring encounter. So it seems like there's going to be a lot of runs on offer at this tournament, which could definitely make for, for entertaining cricket. The pitch question is an interesting one, uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, teams kind of, you, you, you would think they... Uh, would back themselves to win regardless of uh, of the toss situation. Uh, that's kind of I don't know. I, I'm always a bit suspicious of that as as like a an excuse or whatever.
0: As a general rule, yeah.
1: So, but I guess yeah, as you say, we haven't been able to really look at these matches because the streaming and even the live scoring hasn't has not been forthcoming. So that's yeah, a bit frustrating. Um, yeah, Ireland is an interesting one, isn't it? The, they beat the USA. Pretty comprehensively, they chased down 300 odd in sort of 45 overs, uh, and then the Netherlands bowled them out for 190. And uh, I mean, they they bowled pretty well, but their batting is is a question mark. Yeah, they were, you know, they were playing the USA uh, at the Bulawayo Athletic Club, and uh, the at, against the Netherlands uh, at Queens. You know, both of those in Bulawayo, but the Queens uh, Sports Club probably it's safe to say the standard of the of the field is not quite the same as uh, as Bulawayo Athletic Club. I mean, you know, lawkentucker Kentucker, Harry Tector in the runs, uh, you know, sort of the usual suspects there. For Ireland, uh the Netherlands, yeah, interesting that their kind of weakened team still managed to to win against Ireland uh with <laughs> it was a two-wicket victory in the end. Wesley Barassi getting them home, uh which you know, nice to see him in the runs, but I mean, they were they were cruising against Ireland with Barresi, no doubt, going. I think they were one for ninety after fourteen overs, um, chasing a hundred and ninety, uh, and then yeah, a bit of a collapse there with with Ben White taking a bunch of wickets for Ireland, uh, and uh, eventually uh, Wesley Barresi had to scrape them home with with Logan Van Beek. But uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that you know we're seeing some some good grit here from the Netherlands with a a relatively weak uh, team compared to what, what they could potentially have had. And, uh, you know, it just makes you wonder what, what could they achieve if they could get all their, all their players available. And, you know, the same goes for Scotland uh, as well.
0: Yeah. uh, That uh, Netherlands Nepal match in the group stage, I think will probably dictate uh, who goes into the next stage uh, of the tournament. And, to be honest, pre-tournament, I probably would have had Nepal as marginally ahead of the Netherlands based on, on form and who is available. But from what I've seen of the warm-up matches, the Netherlands aren't going to roll over. And even with the players that have been out uh, and the players who are out, you look at the group of uh, of men that they do have there, and they do have experience in, in performing in in key situations. You know, the T20 World Cup last year, you know, the likes of... of O'Dowd and others who are available here uh, have been able to kind of step up and even the, the young kids coming through, the Shari Ahmeds the uh, the Tejan Nidhamanurus who, who is a little bit older in fairness, Vikram Singh is starting to come into his own as well. There is hope and I think the one thing that the Netherlands do have is, is a little bit of depth and this has actually been conducive of playing cricket World Cup Super League when Again, they were missing a lot of their county players, and it forced them, it forced their kids to grow up a little bit quicker than they probably would have liked. But in the end, you're you're starting to see, uh, I think the results here, particularly, uh, yeah, some of the young kids, you know, the the likes of of Ahmed and and, and Vikram, as as we mentioned, but you know, uh, Zulf, the Zulfikas of the world, the Aryan Duts of the world, that they're, they're quite experienced now at international level, and yes, okay, on paper they might be missing a few guys, but at least they've got a group that that does have international experience. And yeah, moving it, I guess, back to someone like Scotland because they've been a little bit more ad hoc and the likes of, say, a Jack Jarvis and, and a Christopher McBride coming in, they've played a little bit of international cricket, but probably not quite enough in comparison to, to some of those Dutch examples that we gave. We're excited to, to see Brandon McMullen probably play a bigger role here for Scotland as well. There's a lot of good chat about him. Uh, Tom McIntosh coming up from the under-19s uh moving to kind of ireland um, i've got to say that you know if you're an, a young irish top order batter i don't know what you're thinking right now considering it looks like Andy McBrien is going to open the batting uh for the ireland team and, and yes his batting has improved uh and you know he's very much an all-rounder he's made runs in test cricket as well uh, but they're throwing him up at the top of the order almost as a a pinch blocker, I think Jared Kimber's called him um, a couple of times. Definitely worth
1: checking out the the Kimber videos on Andy McBride uh, just as a little aside there.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then you, you know you look at, at George Dockwell, who's improved his, his batting as well. Harry Tector, there's a lot of... Uh, I wanna say there's a lot of pressure on Harry Tector's shoulders as someone who is making quite a bulk of the runs and he's the ICC player of the month uh, for May as well in great form but it looks as if you know their campaign at least with the bat hinges on on him Simi Singh was a, a weird omission we know that he was carrying a little bit of a niggle but it, he doesn't really seem to be in Ireland's plans the bowling group that they've got to be honest I think in in Zimbabwean conditions I think they don't I don't think they exactly send shockwaves through their opposition so it's going to be tough even as a full member and then you throw in Zimbabwe at home who have been really good not only in the development tour against Pakistan Shaheens but also in Super League as we mentioned they jagged a win against Australia earlier in the campaign they've got a pretty solid group from 1 to 11 and then from 1 to 15 with the squad that they do have Sikandar Raz is probably if he's not the best all-rounder in in the world in white ball cricket he's Certainly in the conversation, and he's worth bringing up. Uh, Ryan Burl, Williams, Irvine, Wesley Matavire is starting to come into his own. Uh, Clive Mandande has has taken the gloves, and then the bowling attack is good. You know, Angarava, Blessing Muzarabani. There's just enough there, and then Wellington Mazakadza is a left-arm orthodox option. They 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 tick all the boxes, and at home you have to say that you know you, right now, hand on heart, I almost have them ahead of of what the West Indies currently are at this point, because the West Indies come in with a new coach in Darren Sammy. And yes, they might buy into Darren Sammy as a coach because a lot of them either played with him or he's a pretty respected player and and cricketing figure in West Indies circles. But there was a little bit of controversy as to how they came to that conclusion into hiring him as well. Uh, Hetmeyer's a no-show. You need a couple of the guys who have played IPL cricket to, to stand up here for the West Indies. They they did show that they were good enough to beat UAE in that bilateral series, but the injection of, of those IPL guys coming back will certainly help them. Uh, Shy Hope, I think, needs to make runs because the way that they bat around Shy is that they want to attack and they can only do that with the stability of, of Shy Hope in that situation and he needs to have a good competition running the team. Sri Lanka, you have to say, uh, uh, I think... a odds-on, dollar-five favourites to, to go through here. Not only with the playing group and the experience that they have, they've even bolstered in a way bringing in, you know, Dimuth Karuna Ratner as a one-day player in this tournament because they feel like they can use him to to be a stable option and, and again, almost play a shy hope role if they absolutely need to. And then they've got the likes of Pathirana who comes in as as a revelation and, you know, Malinga 2.0. And I know that, you know, he wants to be his own man, but his bowling action is essentially Lassith Malinga's um evolved. So they're going to be a ridiculously tough outfit to play against, you know, and then you've got, you haven't even mentioned Tichana and Hasaranga with their spin as well. So look, it, it makes it really difficult for anyone, I think, to upset the apple cart outside of Sri Lanka, West Indies, Zimbabwe, Ireland will face, I think, quite a tough opposition, and, and they really need to hit the ground running here. And we haven't even mentioned Nepal yet. And Nepal is a team that I think the burning question for them is can they perform and can they bat the way they have been batting over the last six months in different conditions? We know that they've been able to do well at home on a TU ground where, you know, it has flattened out there. You know, we knew the TU ground for many years as a, as a bowler's paradise. And in the last year or so, it's been actually quite conducive for unscoring. We've seen a number of guys stand up and I, I think hand on heart, I think their one to 15 group of players is probably overall the strongest group they've ever, you know, had at their disposal. Monty Desai, I think, is, is a key part of that as well. But they need to travel well with the bat. You know, they did struggle a little bit when they played the unofficial warm ups in South Africa and then they did lose to UAE not being able to defend a total, you know, in the 270s. So... Runs are going to be hard to come by. The middle, the, the engine room in the middle, you know, Padell, Bim Sharkey, Kushal Muller I think those three need to have a huge tournament and they need probably one of their openers to go on and make a score just about every game they play. Uh, Sandeep's travelled. Uh, we've heard that that case will probably move into uh, mid-July. Uh, there's seemingly no resolution there, but... You know, for Nepali cricket fans and and for Nepal in terms of their prospects of trying to qualify, having him there is is certainly a boost. But they've got some options now, not only with with spin in the form of Lalit Rajbanshi, who's come back from injury and other things, and he looks a form player as well. They've actually got a little bit of quick bowling talent now, um, or quick bowling depth, I should say. You know, they've always had Son Palkami, Karan KC. Now you've got Gulshan Jha, who gives you a different option. Pradish GC is is a good prospect. And Kishore Mahato's there is I think he's the sixteenth player, kind of as fast bowling backup. So, you know, looking at, at all these teams, there's there's cases for everyone. But yeah, you would think that with Sri Lanka all but certain picking up one of the spots, it, it just makes that that second spot so difficult to attain for everyone there. And and it goes back to the fact that yes, it's a ten team World Cup that we've got coming up in India. Four years' time we go back to fourteen teams. And I think a lot of these teams shouldn't be too downhearted by the performance here because you know you go to a lead two structure next year with eight teams. Uh, you know that you go to play a lot of cricket. You should be able to develop your talent. And ultimately, you know, with four extra teams at the next tournament, the, the carrot's there. It's just a shame that, you know, you have to wait four years than, than, than really giving it a good crack here in, in for India 2023.
1: Yeah, it is a shame. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we don't need to get into the 10-team World Cup discussion uh, again. Uh, obviously, I think most people involved in uh, in the emerging world would agree that's a pretty bad decision uh, that was made a number of years ago for whatever reason they've uh, they've stuck to it they haven't changed their mind. But yeah, I mean Nepal I think is an interesting one because you know we talked about how uh, you know back in the day I guess bowling was their strength and, and they always had an unreliable uh, <laughs> a very unreliable batting order outside uh, Paris Kadkar. Now it's it's reversed and they've they've kept that kind of uh that form going into these warm ups where they they beat Oman and Thriller by I think two wickets and, and they lost to the UAE. Uh the UAE getting over the line in in the final over maybe even the final ball. Ooh. Uh, no, I just fact-checked myself, uh, with one ball to spare and three wickets in hand. So, a couple of thrills, uh, very typical Nepal style, but yeah, two two scores in the mid-270s, so their the batting still looks strong. And yeah, Kushal Bertel at the top of the order, Asif Sheikh in the runs, and as you say, that middle order uh, is going to be very important for them. Uh, interesting as well that Karan KC and Sompel Kami were, were taking the wickets, so the, the seam options there are potentially uh, going to be decisive, even though... You know, we've talked about a couple of teams with good spin uh, depth, you know, in, including Nepal, but also yeah, Sri Lanka as well, with with a lot of spinners. Um, as we move to the back end of the tournament, with the, the pitchers will probably be quite tired. You know, they're going to get a lot of traffic over the course of of the tournament. You know, teams with good spin depth, like say like a Nepal, if they can make it through to the Super Six phase, that might sort of hold them in good stead and and allow them to maybe make a late run. Uh, as we look ahead. But, yeah, I mean, their their batting actually does look solid at the moment. It's it's kind of more the the bowling and whether they can defend these scores. Yeah, UAE uh, is another one, and as well, Oman. uh, Two teams that uh, have been, you know, we've seen a lot of the UAE recently, (laughs) even a lot of the UAE against Nepal, you know, that specific matchup. Good to see Rohan Mustafa actually back in the runs uh, for the UAE. That was a concern I had um, ahead of this tournament. But,. For Oman, I think the, the thing to mention is Aki Bilias, uh scored a ton against Zimbabwe, where they only lost by 20-odd runs, chasing a mammoth total, and he took four wickets against Nepal. So it, it seems like he's finally made his way back into the team after a number of injuries has kept him out for well almost two years now, really. And yeah, it looks like he's going about his business pretty successfully. Zishan is Maxud in the runs as well. So yeah, I mean, Oman is kind of, you know, they've they're been overlooked a little bit, uh, maybe even by us, because we just, you know, they played all their League Two matches kind of all in a row and then just sort of sat there waiting for everyone else to yeah. <laughs> to finish their quota. But uh, you know they're definitely going to be dangerous, although as as we've uh, talked about, they are on the older side, so whether their stamina holds up over the course of a, a pretty long tournament is another interesting question. It, it does it does seem like there's three very clear favorites or, or even two very clear favorites with sort of the West Indies a little bit behind and then uh, everybody else. And yeah, as you allude to, it's it's kind of interesting in that in a way a lot of these teams might be, sort of building towards the the next league 2 cycle or or um you know whatever ends up happening with with league 2 uh, rather than necessarily you know if if we're being honest competing for those those two world cup slots but you know you never know what's going to happen here uh, I mean even Sri Lanka in that game against the Netherlands they only won by 3 wickets so they they chased down the target of uh, 215 pretty quickly but they got there with uh, seven wickets down so you know if someone can upset Sri Lanka and then you know go into the group stage uh, with you know with the points in hand, you know that that's uh, kind of an under uh, maybe a slightly underappreciated element here is the um the super sixes with the you know the points carried forward is that if if you get those points in the bank going into the super sixes that could be decisive as well. so yeah it's a it's a very exciting tournament and and it's one that uh, we'll certainly be looking uh, looking at a lot. I just can can you explain what's going on with the streaming because i've heard a lot of conflicting reports about which matches are going to be available who's doing the streaming what's going on with all of this uh and yes there are some uh sort of full televised matches but you know remembering 2018 quite a lot of the games were not covered in any way at all and um you know i hope it's just not a repeat of that situation and we at least get some kind of streaming
0: Okay, so uh, the first point here and it's one that we we've brought up a couple of weeks ago is that this tournament technically doesn't fall under the pathways agreement that a lot of the other, well basically everything on the road to this tournament uh, was a part of. Although I, I have been told, uh, albeit not really with a great deal of confidence, is that yes, on top of the uh, broadcast matches which there are for the tournament, the rest of the matches are being streamed and for ICC TV. Now, the issue is is that the history of matches in Zimbabwe do not bode well in terms of streaming and the internet there has a record of not being particularly great. So, look, it's the broadcast matches, I think, are going to be basically seamless. It's just a case of those other matches that, look... It's going to be interesting to see what what happens and what the public sort of backlash from that is going to be because there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on this tournament. It's it's one of the biggest tournaments, you know, kind of on the on the calendar, especially from a, an emerging cricket standpoint, right? But it looks as if, yeah, it, it will be done by a different production company to the one that did a lot of the pathway events as well. So uh, look out to see if there's any sort of differences and uh, or similarities in, in the way that it's sort of played out, and yeah, the fingers are are certainly crossed that it all sort of goes down largely without a hitch. What I just bring up, going back to sort of previewing the teams, and yeah, you mentioned UAE and and Oman. They're two teams that we haven't really had the chance to talk about yet. Oman coming from their performance in League 2, but you have to say that they're probably with USA and UAE as, as probably the bottom three teams on paper at this tournament, USA and UAE qualifying by virtue of the qualifier playoff. Uh, Aki Bilias is going to be huge in this campaign for them. You know, he's probably one of the fittest in the team, you know, when he is fit, we know that he's had a couple of kind of freak injuries that have sort of been out of his control. He had that broken bone in his foot and then he had a broken bone in his hand, I think from the ACC premier cup, trying to field a ball at the non-strikers end. So, uh, for him to be up and running is is a huge boost for Oman, um, but again they're a bit of you know they're it's very dad's army like that team. You know most of that team are on the wrong side of thirty and approaching thirty five and, and and even forty. I think there might only be two or three players under the age of thirty in the squad. Kashyap Prajapati uh, is one. I think he's twenty six or twenty eight, and I think one of the new kids that has come into the squad. I think Rafiula might be in his 20s as well. But the stamina and, yeah, how they get through this tournament it remains to be seen. I remember when we were at Cricket World Cup League 2 in Namibia in 2019 and Zeeshan Maksud made a great 100 in a player of the match performance against Namibia, I want to say, at Afis Park. And he was dead and they had to back up and play the next day. And he just sat out that game. Um, I know they get a little bit more of a break in these matches here at the qualifier. But I definitely think, you know, fitness is going to be an issue for for that team. UAE, I've got questions on the fast bowling side. And again, you know, they're not exactly spring chickens either. Uh, Junaid Sadiq and and Zahul Khan are are toilers. They give everything, but unless they pick up wickets with the new ball, I can see it being a pretty rough outing for them. The beauty for them is that they've got enough spin options to get them through and, and almost bowl 50 overs off spin. Uh, Iron Khan has been fantastic. Kartik Mayapan, we know, is a proven performer at this stage already in his career. Ron Mustafa's is going to bowl a lot of overs. Well, just just
1: on the seam options, Ali Nasir does provide uh, a, a seam option there, and he's come through the under nineteens program recently. Um, so they do have a little bit of talent coming through. He took four wickets um, against Nepal in that warm up game. So you know, it's it's not just uh, Sadiq and and Khan, but uh, yeah, as you say, I, I agree. Uh, the the seam options are a little thin, whereas the the spin is definitely the strength.
0: Yeah, Iron Khan was excellent in the ACC Premier Cup as well, even against the likes of Nepal. And I know they played a few sort of oppositions there that are definitely not at the the same standard of the teams that are playing here at the qualifier. But you, you have to say that you know a lot of responsibility falls on the shoulders of Mayapen and. Iron Khan uh, with the ball. On the batting side, yeah, as you mentioned, Ron Mustafa's back in the runs. Vrita Aravind, I think this is a, a great litmus test for him uh, in that when he cashes in, he makes great runs and makes bulk runs. Um, one bugbear that we've sort of had of Aravind so far in his career is that, yes, he has cashed in, in in games where things might be a little bit easier, but when you know the pressure ramps up or when they play a, a trickier opponent he's found it a little bit difficult. He's got, I think he's got the technique and he's got the capabilities to do that. I think it's just more of a of an experience thing and and ensuring that he gives himself maybe a little bit of time to get his eye in because we know that he can rocket, you know, at a strike rate of, you know, almost 140, 150 when he gets going. Um, he could probably give himself a little bit of time at the start of these innings, especially if the white ball swings a little bit as well um, at the top of the order. So looking forward to, to the way he goes about things. And yeah, as mentioned, we'll, we'll try and sort of cover everything that we can um, at this qualifier. There's there's a lot going on, uh, a lot of crucial games, um, trying to keep as many eyeballs on it as possible. I think one team that we haven't quite got around to talking about as yet is the USA, who are missing Ali Khan for the first two games due to his suspension. Uh, One of those games is a a regional matchup against the West Indies, the first ODI between the two teams. We thought he was going to be a key if they were to sort of Make any inroads in that West Indies batting lineup, but with him out, you know, I I fancy the West Indies to go out and, and really take the game on with the bat, and it will probably mean that in response, you know, the middle order for the USA, as well as sort of Stephen Taylor, who bats a little bit higher up, are going to have to probably have the performance of their lives, especially in that match. But yeah, across the first two matches in their campaign, if they, if they're going to make the Super Sixes and and further,
1: yeah, Bertus Young has uh, talked about this, but it is kind of perplexing that the USA didn't. Uh, you know hastily organize a couple of ODIs against someone to just to you know get Ali Khan's suspension out of the way um that seems like a well yeah a, a real oversight although you know there's a lot going on in U.S. cricket at the moment so maybe I guess no one just really thought about it um yeah as you say I think that that middle order definitely is going to be crucial Aaron Jones providing the stability we could keep a bat uh, Monank Patel captain as well actually um and Yes, yeah, Sateja Mukamala has has come through into the into the team uh, from their from their youth program as well. So uh, he's an exciting talent. Uh, he got some runs against Ireland, um, and and he provides a bit of impetus sort of down in that middle lower order. Jesse Singh uh, strangely scored uh, a sort of like 70 off about uh, 20 balls or something in one of their warm up games, which sort of caught my eye because I never really thought of him as much of a, much of a batter, but uh, you know, so maybe he's been <laughs> been working on his hitting down the order, you know, the, the seam baller, Jesse Singh. Yeah. Stephen Taylor, I think he's going to have to big one if they're going to get over the West Indies, although, you know, thinking about it, they maybe wouldn't have expected to beat the West Indies anyway. So if they're missing Ali Khan for that one, it's sort of like, you know, it's maybe not necessarily the worst, time for him to have that suspension but yeah the, the matchup against Nepal is going to be crucial and uh, you know <laughs> without Ali Khan bowling you know 140k plus Yorkers I don't really see where the where the real threat comes from with the USA they've got a lot of bowlers who who kind of you know they as you say uh, toilers you know uh they'll they'll give it their all um guys like Surab Trevako's he's crafty he 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 bowls a uh, very canny sort of left arm uh seam gets a Bit of nibble, bit of bit of sort of bite off the pitch. Uh, a lot of variations. You know, he's very very good with his line and length. Kind of jams up batters. He, he he's he's a clever bowler. I really enjoy watching him. But he, you know, he's not going to run through a, a batting lineup in the same way as Eli Khan is able to. Um, and then yeah, then you're into kind of the spin options with your um, you know, your Nissag Patel's and and whatnot. Uh, I mean yeah, Kyle Phillip, I don't know. I I I know there's a lot of uh. A lot of hype around Kyle Phillip in, in USA circles but I guess I just haven't seen him bowl particularly well he he can crank the, the pace but he's just been wayward every time I've tuned in so maybe it's um, you know bad timing but I just haven't really seen the best of, of Kyle Phillips so far and it, you know he's he's got a pretty bad economy rate if we're being honest so if if you can get it together, maybe he can sort of play the Ali Khan role in in the early stages of the tournament. But yeah, I'm I'm sort of not really convinced about their bowling. And uh, as as you said earlier, a lot of the um a lot of the pressure is going to fall onto the middle and top order.
0: Yeah, Simon Kamala is a is name that you brought up there. I'm a huge fan of of his work. Nate Hayes. And a lot of the work that he does as well, he's interviewed Cy and we've seen a little bit of him play and he looks such a, almost a complete package of a, of a player and and seemingly has a, gr- a great head on his shoulders as well. So he's definitely one that, you know, okay, maybe it's a little bit early for, for him to make serious inroads at a tournament here, but maybe going on in, in future cycles, I think he'll step up and play a bigger role in in u.s batting in future cycles and and that's not me saying that he can't do it here at the qualifier as well i think he can but um definitely a, a player for the future um and one to look forward to but yeah usa cricket they've been and this is a point that we've made on previous shows as well as you know bad boards or bad organizations or frivolity in national boards at associate level has quite often led to poor performances on the field, and it's boiled over onto there as well. I think USA here, Mr. Trick, as you said, maybe not putting together a bilateral series of an official nature to ensure that Ali Khan was eligible to play in this tournament, whether you want to call it gaming the system or not. You know, it's there for you to be able to do, and they.
1: they... I mean, they needed to play warm ups anyway, so why not play a couple of ODI warm ups just without Ali Khan? I mean.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, look, plenty of questions there, but you have to say that, yeah, again, the the issues of that governing body has meant you know poor performances on the field. And we can say the same thing about Scotland, quite frankly, too, is that um, for a large part there, they were actually able to do a lot of this in spite of everything that was going on at Cricket Scotland. But I think now we're starting to see the, the consequences of, of everything going on there. You know, when Cairn were not in a great spot, Nepal didn't play particularly well. Um it's only really been the addition of Monty Desai and, and the seemingly more stable nature of that team that's made them a better team too. So and then you look at it from Cricket West Indies' point of view, they're a team at, at full member level that have had, you know, a tumultuous time in 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 their administration and we've seen it there in terms of their on field performance as well. Like it's not rocket science and yeah, again, I think that it's the the dis- you know, the the poor organization that, that's led to this happening um, for the USA. And I think, you know, as we mentioned talking earlier about the development awards, you know, if USA had had their ducks in a row and they actually put together what they were supposed to with the money that they've been receiving from, you know, the annual funding and from the ICC, then they should be a lot further along than where they are at the moment. Um, And unfortunately they aren't. And it's purely down to to the actions of the boardroom and not the actions of the players on the field, quite frankly. And and that's where I think we, we get to this situation. And that's why we've got you know what we've got in the USA, that the situation that we have. You can even go a little bit further and look at the way UAE have been in the last year, where you know they had a load of problems from a coaching standpoint, organisational standpoint. We still don't, quite frankly, know what happened in in terms of Ahmed Raza being stood down as captain and then giving it to CP Rizwan, who now isn't even in the international <laughs> yeah. fray. Uh, for the UAE. They've got a brand new organization. Now, Al Madraza is assistant coach of the team, for goodness sake. You know, what happened there? And you saw UAE were a basket case in that situation too. And only now have they just kind of worked out how to win again. So, look, I think it it kind of tells you everything you need to know there. There are enough examples in the associate world and the West Indies to tell you that, yeah, look, when things aren't going well off the field, they don't go well on it. And we will probably see at this qualifier teams who play better are the teams who are the most organized. And, you know, looking at Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe are probably the most organized they've been yeah. for as long as we know. They're not suspended by the ICC. That's a start. They actually have some semblance of a board and a decent team. And they're playing at home in a competition they organize. And quite frankly, you know, if they, they make it to India in 2023, wouldn't be shocked.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you think back to 2018 and all the, I guess, instability, you could call it, uh, that was going on. With with the Zimbabwe team and uh, definitely the administrative problems, I think played into the fact they they didn't make it out of that qualifying tournament. Even though yeah you know, they played they played okay, they were cheered on by a, a raucous home crowd and that certainly helped. But uh, you know going down to the UAE in that must win game, I, yeah I I just think uh, eventually as you as you allude to, you know the problems at an administrative level will tend to play out in in terms of the the, the players on the field. And just, yeah, I mean, the UAE thing is kind of interesting because I guess they're sort of on the upswing, you could say, uh, from you know recovering from, from some uh, off-field drama. Uh, I think Ahmed Ras is probably too classy to, to ever tattle about, you know, what happened there. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a puzzling one because, you know, they, they got rid of Dougie Brown, they brought in Robin Singh, wasn't going fantastically. They finally got rid of Robin Singh and things have gone better again so yeah I don't know very uh very strange but you know I guess we'll, we'll probably never know uh what happened there but uh yeah I, I think it is interesting that the the teams that are finding a bit of stability are the ones that are finding form and I mean even Sri Lanka sort of 18 months ago had a lot of uh, you know administrative drama going on I mean I know there's a lot of sort of broader issues in, in the country but in terms of their cricket board that uh, they they seem to have uh, stabilised as well, and and you know that's that's carried through to their the back end of their Super League performance, where yes they did end up at the qualifier, but they definitely looked a lot better uh, in the second half of their their Super League campaign.
0: Looking forward to it. It's going to be an intriguing tournament, the Cricket World Cup qualifier. It it always is, uh, and it's one of our favourites. It's it's the biggest one pretty much on our calendar uh, any given year. You know, outside of global tournaments, where associates find their their names in the hat, uh, beginning on the 18th of June, um, and as mentioned, yeah, two places up for grabs for the Cricket World Cup in India, uh, beginning in early October, as we are told. <laughs> the fixtures haven't come through yet for that tournament, as yet. But I think by well, the yeah, yeah, I mean
1: that's another point, isn't it? We we we're what like. Barely three months away, three or four months away from the tournament starting, and we don't have a schedule. I mean, what? How is that possible for a World Cup?
0: I have to go into bat for the ICC. They've had, from what I've been told, they've had a draft schedule for ages. It's just been a case of the BCCI sorting their stuff out, and then the discussion between them and the PCB in terms of the fixture between India and Pakistan. Uh-huh. There's a couple of cities that have had to be, you know, had to be changed around as well. Um, that's kind of the, the intel that I have and I don't really have much else outside of that. But yeah, look, I, I think uh, I, I sort of looked around at Twitter and someone was saying that they were tossing up whether to go to the Rugby World Cup or the Cricket World Cup. I think it was... I think it was a Kiwi fan and they said look we're going to the rugby world cup purely because we know the fixtures and we know where New Zealand are going to be. Well exactly. Um and that just tells you you know where where both kind of boards are at you know India are kind of uh, are able to kind of lean into the fact that they they're going to get decent crowds at every game anyway um and they don't really have to rely on the the touristic aspect of a world cup but yeah you'd like to think that the- you'd assume that you know there's money being left on the table there that they're not taking by having Tourists actually in the country watching World Cup cricket—it's it's staggering, but yeah, it's just another hurdle in 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 the organisation of the tournament itself, and you know, hopefully, it, it irons itself out. Um, but yeah, once again, looking forward to the qualifier. Um, we'll have hopefully plenty of news and plenty of discussion around around the tournament from uh, a number of our contributors as well. So, uh, looking forward to all of that on emergingcricket.com as well as our uh, listening spots for the podcast. Do want to acknowledge the East Asia Pacific Under nineteen uh, Cricket World Cup qualifier going on in Darwin at the moment, and a shout out to Tim who's helping out on the uh, Vanuatu front. Uh, the tournament's kind of gone the way we expected, with uh, New Zealand dominating this and and looking odds on favourites to qualify. We we know why they have to go back. They didn't get an official placing in the last Under nineteen World Cup because they sat out, pulled out of the tournament due to COVID. Um, It's meant, yeah, they have had to go back through the regional qualifier, which does not really help the rest of the region here in that with only one spot coming from this and no automatic qualification from New Zealand on top of Australia, it it means that EAP are effectively uh, down a spot at the tournament, which has been a little bit disappointing because we've seen enough, I think, from Japan thus far in this tournament to say that they are capable of the next level Um, They had New Zealand in a hole at 127 for six, only for the Kiwis to uh, recover, make a a score that was ultimately too much uh, for Japan to chase down. But uh, Japan have been impressive. Fiji have also recorded a couple of wins. Uh, We'll talk about it properly on next week's show when we get a chance to look at the tournament proper. There's plenty of points that, you know, Nick and I want to discuss, but probably run out of, of time today with all the qualifier chat going on. So we will talk about it uh, properly in, in full next week uh, but apart from that Nick uh, I think that's everything in the Emerging game thank you for joining me once again to talk all about it
1: pleasure as always Bez
0: once again com is your spot uh, for news and events in the game's new world especially with the Cricket World Cup qualifier uh, upon us enjoy the tournament, enjoy watching it uh, and make sure you let us know uh, what you're thinking, your thoughts feelings, emotions of the Cricket World Cup qualifier it's one of our favourite tournaments as well Uh, make sure to reach out. Uh, We'll be back recording plenty of action from the qualifier itself uh, on the weekly show and, as mentioned too, uh, written work on the website. Might be a couple of pop-up Twitter spaces too, uh, fingers crossed, just in in terms of organization and other bits and pieces like that. But on behalf of Nick and myself, Daniel Beswick, enjoy the week of Emerging Cricket coming up and we'll talk to you next week.